Jab, episode 14. I forgot to tell you guys I got a TikTok. No one really cares, but I just feel like I've talked about it so much. I should let you guys know. Um, I don't have the time or the energy to learn a whole dance routine or whatever, but they're fascinating to watch because I'm not sure that the generation that's on TikTok can actually dance, but they can learn some choreo. Let me tell you. Um, it's definitely also just a longer vine. Some other fun things that happened this week. David Beckham was starstruck by Paul Rudd at the Super Bowl, which I love. Jesus and Mara are back this week, thank God. So I'm optimistic that February is going to be much better than January. Um, I mean, it can't be worse, right? Things we're catching up on this week. The Super Bowl and the halftime show, obviously. Stormy's birthday party that was rumored to cost 200000 but like it's if 200000 is actually the new $2 million, right? I watched the Taylor Swift documentary, uh, documentary, and Netflix is out here making content. Okay, so let's catch up. All right, let's discuss the Super Bowl. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, that's what this podcast is really about, is discussing Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, although I would talk about Travis Kelsey all day, but... Um, so some things happened during the Super Bowl, am I right? There were a couple commercials that were good. The Bill Murray Groundhog Day commercial, fantastic. I also personally enjoyed the, um, Hyundai Sonata commercial that was like all Boston. Chris Evans, Rachel Dratch, John Krasinski with a big poppy moment. Obviously good to see him. Uh, the Sabre commercial had the kombucha meme girl, which is incredible. Like, I admire her hustle so much. Um, yeah, I guess that's pretty much the only ones that stuck out to me. Okay, so let's discuss the halftime show. It was fantastic. I've already rewatched it. Um, I was, like, very shocked going into it that Shakira was sharing the stage with J-Lo. And then I was watching them perform, and I was like, that's right, Shakira, you, you tell us all to shut up and sit down. Shakira's out here body rolling in a tall wedge boot. She's playing the guitar. She's playing the drum. She's dancing with the children. And then J-Lo said, I will also dance with the children. I will sing with my daughter who may have a better voice than me. I will do the pole dancing. And all of, a middle mer- all of middle America, oh my gosh, will be offended. I can't even discuss that. I can discuss the fact that J-Lo put on a Puerto Rican flag like feathered and saying born in the USA. I mean, talk about a big middle finger to the racist. I'm here for it. Um, no one like jumped into the stadium a la Lady Gaga, but I I still quite enjoyed it. Like I said, I rewatched it. Like it's very hard to sit still during. I love that JLo was like, I did all this work for Hustlers. Y'all did not nominate me for an Oscar. I will be doing it during the Super Bowl. Thanks. And people are like, it's not family friendly. I'm like, what? Her core strength at 50? You are right. It's not family friendly. It's terrifying. She's a boss. Oh, God. I'm like riled up just thinking about it. Here's a fun reminder. Atlanta had Maroon 5. Okay. Has everyone watched Kylie's story? Story spelled S-T-O-R-I, obviously. Stormy's birthday party was outrageous. The numbers being thrown around are like 200000 500000 I don't care. It costs $2 million. You can't tell me anything different. She's a billionaire, for God's sake. So it's definitely the theme 
was Stormy World based on Astro World and her father, Travis Scott. That makes sense. However, I have a strange feeling that it wasn't her father's idea. It is a two-year-old. Um, two is better than one was like the theme. I mean, like Stormy's just not going to remember it. So there were different rooms. So there was a troll's room. Um, there was a frozen room. Every famous person you want to know was there. Um, DJ Khaled was there. All of the sisters were there. Chrissy and John were there with Luna. I mean, it. there was a stormy-themed room, I think, too. Just, like, so much money was spent on the on Kylie, like, carrying around. Like, the trolls thing is probably the most appropriate for a two-year-old, right? Like, does a two-year-old even understand Frozen? She had, like, ice sculpture furniture in the Frozen room. It was just so outrageous. I can't understand it. But at the same time, I'm obsessed with it. I watched every ounce of it. It's just so over the top and outlandish that you can't look away. I mean, but the question is, is Kim going to try and compete and like Psalm is going to literally get like a state or an island or something like what's going to happen there? But I don't know if it's still up on Kylie's story, but I'm sure you can find it somewhere on the Internet. It is wild, just wild. My first question this week is a complete shot in the dark, but wow, I really hope it's true. Are they going to make a Bring It On sequel, but with the OGs? Okay, so if you did not see all of this going down, Gab posted on Instagram that she would be down to do Bring It On Again, which is Bring It On Again, the title of the second one, actually. Anyway, Kirsten Dunst was on Kelly Clarkson's show, which... Still haven't decided whether or not I'm here for that. I watch clips of it and I love her so much, but like sometimes her style upsets me. Anyway, Kelly showed her Gab's um, comment and Kirsten was like, I'd be down. And she said it on TV, so now it must come true. I'm freaking out. They have to do it, right? Like, have you seen all of the Bring It On sequels? I have, including the one where they imitate the roller coaster with their stunt. Is that four or five? Either way, that's the one that's probably the most similar to cheer, right? Just like people just like throwing their bodies together. And they are at a place similar to Daytona in that movie. <laughs> Never forget Hayden Panettiere was in the third, which actually might have been my favorite other than the, well, original and the second. But maybe it's my third favorite. Um, I would love, though, to watch these two women who have these great successful careers and these loving husbands. Hi, Dwayne. Hi, Jesse Plemons. I'll never get over that. That's totally why I brought up their husbands. Um, I would love for them to get on camera and yell, that's all right. That's okay. You're going to pump our gas one day because, quite frankly, Gab, it would be my honor. My second question is just an eye roll. Why is the crown dumb? That's what I wrote. Why is the crown dumb? Because I know a lot about show business. So the producer of the crown has now said that the show will end after season five, which I think is rude because I think that all of us getting pumped on the internet about the idea of a Meghan Markle hashtag Megxit being canonized on Netflix was too much pressure and they're cowards. Just kidding. I know that's like a lot of years down the road. 
in a lot of seasons, but I feel like they're kind of just refusing to give us what we want. Like, The Crown is great, but it could get spicy, you know? I've fallen asleep watching many episodes of The Crown because sometimes there's just long silences while Queen Elizabeth walks down a stretch of gravel, you know, or Margaret's like off gallivanting. I don't know. Or or Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth are just staring at each other in silence. So we could have used something spicy, but anyway, Netflix doesn't want us to be happy and they don't want awards because whoever plays the queen constant, like Claire Foy was racking up awards and now Olivia Coleman, who I love is racking up awards. So like whether or not they're paid equally to their counterpart, they're still out here winning awards. So that's an easy way for them to get them. Right. Whatever it's, I, I respect producers and, and people, Whenever they decide to end a show, I really do because I think that there's something very honest about deciding that a show has reached its end instead of just like stretching it out until eternity. And like by the time we get to the last season, cough, cough, the office, all of us are just like, what's happening? Why is this happening? But like The Good Place and Veep and these people who have like set a marker, I always really respect it. So I shouldn't be that mad, but I am. question is one that I'm not super thrilled about asking but I will should they have fact checkers on the bachelor like we do when the president gives a speech the reason I ask is this past week this girl Sydney was on a date with Peter wherein they made out on a variety of hard like stone surfaces but that's another thing um and she is a little biracial chick from Alabama Her father's black and Dominican, I think she said. Her mom's white. She kept saying her mom was Irish. I was like, should I be going around saying that my mom's Irish? I just told people my mom's white. Whatever. She was uh, raised in Alabama by a single mom, and she goes on to talk about how she was, like, bullied and people said terrible things to her. I'd like to go on the record as a biracial child from Georgia, a neighboring state, that I completely believe everything that she said in terms of what people called her mom. I know that's true. But people called her all these things. I believe all of it. However, she went on to say that she didn't go to prom. She didn't go to homecoming. She spent every day eating lunch in a bathroom stall. When she said that, I kind of red flag. Because I was like, that's very much like a movie thing. So she, I just want to separate those two things. I want to separate the things that she said that people said about her and the fact that she was bullied. Because I personally know that to be true. And the fact that she like didn't do anything social. Because someone from her high school posted pictures from their yearbook of her going to prom and homecoming and all this stuff and was like, selling my yearbooks for $200, who wants the tea? And obviously the internet blew up because everyone was like, she lied, she lied. Sydney went back and like wrote a very long thing. I'll be honest with you, I did not read it because I just have a strange feeling she's not a great writer. And kind of refuted it and was like, yeah, I did cheerleading. Yeah, I was like Miss Sweetheart or whatever. But it doesn't minimize what was said about me. And I totally agree. That's why I separated those two things out. Because they are different situations. And I feel like one of them is true and one of them was embellished for TV. And this is why I think that I would do a great job of being a fact checker at ABC. I would sit off screen and when things would pop up that the women said that were not true, like perhaps Victoria lying about being friends with Alea, I wouldn't say anything in front of them. And then I would just grab Peter and be like, it's not true. It's not true. And then I'd tell him the truth. 
I'd be willing to get paid hourly for this. I get to travel to all these places, but I don't have to actually do the co- the competition. Yeah, I'd be into it because let me tell you what I'm not doing. Any of these group dates. Wow, let's let's just like minimize women even more. Good lord, who's producing this show? Okay, I'll tell you what I'm listening to, watching, paying attention to this week. And I'm kind of embarrassed, but I'm not even sorry. I've listened to it so many times. Megan Trainer's album has some bops. It just came out. It's called Treat Myself. I'm like kind of into it. Watch her carpool karaoke because she is quite the guest star. And I wonder if his house is sold yet. Um, but I've been listening to Genetics nonstop since it was released as a single. And now the Pussycat Dolls are on it on the album. And I was like, Nicole, I swear to God, if you ruin this song to get promo for your re- reunion, I will go off. But instead, they went off on the song. Except for a couple times where they whisper Pussycat, which I just could do without generally in life. But I cannot wait to see the dance routine they work up for work out for this. Um, I'm out here saying like we are putting respect on the name Megan in 2020. Okay, Megan Trainer, Megan Markle, Megan Scott. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. I watched it. I would recommend you watch it, Miss Americana. The Taylor Swift story. I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's the follow-up. The smaller font. But it is called Miss Americana and it is the Taylor Swift documentary. Let's get into it. The most relatable point was when uh, she was in her private jet, which is ironic. And they were taking off and Taylor went to stop her food from falling on her. And she said, this is a Rihanna shirt. And I said, oh, maybe I could, maybe I could support this. Just an FYI before we get into it, I've never been a big Taylor Swift fan. I think that there are people that are significantly more talented than her, that are significantly less famous, and I think that she has, like, always gotten away with just being, like, like, she's not someone I would want to be friends with, is, is what I'm trying to say. So, now that I've said all these things, I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, she seems to be kind of honest, like, I, I want to know more about her. And the greatest thing that I took away from this, and I will probably say this 17 more times, is she's like a really talented songwriter. Like I've always kind of dragged her songs because I'm like, these are, these sentences don't really make sense. And I still kind of feel that way, but it was incredible to watch her come up with like riffs and alts like right off the bat. Like that was very, very impressive to me. I still feel like the documentary was like very crafted and very like straightforward, but she actually commented during the course of the documentary that someone made a joke about something. She was like, well, if I come off as too planned, like if I plan things and I strategize, I come off as too fake. But then if I don't plan things and I just kind of let myself live, then I come off as like reckless. And so I thought that that was interesting that she like finds herself in this like very weird thing. I do feel like that there are a lot of celebrities who have been able to strike the tone of being professional and incredible business people while also being honest and authentic. But that's neither here nor there. I've never had to do that. So I won't, I won't harp on it. From the beginning of the documentary, as an Enneagram three, I was like, Taylor, have you taken this test? Are you a three? Have I disliked you this whole time because of how similar we are? I also didn't care for her earlier country music, which I know is why her OG fans um, love her, but we can have different opinions on that and that's okay. Uh, So I was like, she was just talking about like, um, people liking her and stuff like that and I was like wow what a three vibe and then the cat started crawling across the piano and I was like and we'll never be that similar so that's okay 
um, they discuss, obviously, the Kanye moment. And we need to discuss something that is not brought up often enough in this narrative that Taylor has asked to be excluded from. When Kanye acted like a complete jackass and took the microphone from her and it was like awful, it was literally a horrible moment. And I think we all knew it was horrible then and like shocking and how he's acted since not particularly great. But Beyonce's face was like, what's going on? Why are you dragging me into this? And then later that night, Beyonce won the best music video award because the award that Taylor won was just for female and Beyonce won the overall overall one. And she handed her mic. She let Taylor Swift come out on stage and she did not give a speech. She let Taylor Swift. She said, I want to let her have a moment. And no one ever talks about that. And I wonder why, but I'm pretty sure I know, but I'm just, I get very annoyed by it. So I just want to point it out. I cannot watch Taylor dance. I just can't do it. As the movie went on, the documentary went on and I found myself finding her more and more endearing and enjoying her I still could not watch her like fling her long limbs around on a stage and call it dancing like it's just like she doesn't have to is my point um but like I said I respect her more as like a person and as a songwriter after I watch this but I just can't do the dancing she discussed going through like an eating disorder which is obviously very serious and very important and um important that she discussed it um she talked about a lot of things that were like very relatable I think to women that are in their 20s and I it was a good reminder for me that she is just like a couple years older than me and that we've experienced like such similar things in our lives in terms of like the time you know like when you know finding yourself in your 20s or whatever yada yada that got like very weird but um, she then talks about the time in all of our lives and we discovered that she might be a little conniving and deceitful with the whole Kanye West part two thing, except she used the words wicked and evil, which I was like, that's a little bit dramatic. Ted Bundy was wicked and evil, not Taylor Swift. And then she goes off to like list all the clips and stuff, which Nikki Glaser was like, I hate this. Like, I'm such a fan. And another thing that was in the montage was the headline of a BuzzFeed article that I swear by from a couple years ago that breaks down how Taylor has positioned herself as a victim for the last decade. And it's a very good read. And she listed it like the title. And I was like, I never thought about her reading it, but I thought it was good. Okay, so now let's get to the meat and potatoes because basically it just seems like this whole documentary was her way of being like, I did a brave thing and I want to show you how. Um, so she she starts discussing politics and the Marsha Blackburn of it all. And I thought it was interesting, but I still think she has like such a jaded view of politics and how it impacts people. Like she just kept talking about gay rights and I was like, I feel like you don't really know about any other issues that are being taken into account, but... Anyway, obviously appreciate her speaking out on behalf of literally anything and having an opinion on literally anything until, y'all, if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about and you can envision it. And once you watch it, you will, you will hopefully text me and say, this is ridiculous. I watched those old white men cut her off time and time again when she was attempting to explain why she wanted to voice her opinion. The irony is not lost on me. I found it completely infuriating. I texted a friend and said, I'm ready to riot for Taylor Swift right now. She knew what she was doing. And we watched on camera as people literally chose money and success, but never explicitly said it because they would never say that on camera. But that's what they were doing over what she wanted and what she thought was right. And I was 
livid. And I'm also now an Andrea Swift stan because her mom was like, I'm scared for her safety too. But if she wants to do it, she's doing it because that's what moms are for. So Taylor Swift says, these are not your father's celebrities and these are not your father's Republicans. And that was the best line of the whole documentary because someone was trying to compare her to Bing Crosby. And I was like, what year are we living in? So everyone's like riled up. And then at the end of the conversation, when she gets really emotional, she says, dad. And I realize that she's been fighting with her father about this. And I had to pause the documentary. Because I did not know that that was her dad. I just thought that it was all of her white managers. I was, I mean, no words. I was like, this man, this man. I, I couldn't handle it when I found out that it was her dad. So anyway, she makes the point post. She like has a glass of wine while she does it. Everyone's kind of freaking out. Her mom is there with her the whole time. And I really, really am praying for her mother because she's clearly such a great person um so they talk about the vote.org registrations right after her post and like taylor swift made a difference she made a change because her voice is powerful and i don't know what her whole life has been like or why she waited so long but like here's to all of us finding our voice and speaking out and making a difference i think that she got really emotional because she considered it a failure because she like hadn't done much and then she did this one thing and then the direct result she wanted didn't happen but so many other good things did and I hope that we hear from more from her in the year of our Lord 2020 I'm not sure that we're going to make it to November but I was I was like very pleasantly surprised with that portion of the documentary I hope that she genuinely understood the impact that she had on young voters I hope that she continues to understand it but y'all when I realized it was her dad I was fuming I couldn't handle it so anyway, by the end, she kind of does this little monologue about female entertainers having to reinvent themselves time and time again, and to be both challenging and comfortable. And it was really beautiful. And I thought really poignant and insightful. But it also made me like very excited and hopeful for what's to come in her career, the idea that like she's well aware of this and willing to do that. It definitely made me think of all of these female entertainers who have reinvented themselves to stay fresh and relevant and all of the men who haven't, right? So Beyonce literally had to have an alter ego and then a couple years later surprised us with an album in the middle of the night. Christina Aguilera literally became a bionic woman like years after her career really like took off. Madonna has been all of the races. She's been every single one. Um, but I... I don't know. I thought that that was like a really poignant um, thing that she discussed. I also wanted to point out that she's one of the many curly headed women who, when they got famous, they were like, skirt. Beyonce, Carrie Underwood, I'm looking at you. Okay. Look at their hair recently. Y'all don't see them out here with ringlets. Would I do it? Probably. Um, so my takeaways, I know this has been very long, but I had a lot of thoughts as someone who will probably never go see her live still. Um, and really enjoyed 1989 (laughs) like that was probably my favorite album of hers and that's like everybody's least favorite who loves her so I think that that's funny but I think she's an incredibly talented songwriter I wish I had gotten to know more about her transition from country and pop that wasn't discussed at all um she like alludes to growing up in country music and that being why she didn't speak out but then she never talks about when she like made that kind of move Um, And again, her mom is just the best. Like that is my final takeaway. 
Andrea Swift all day. This is the longest segment I've ever done on this podcast. Isn't that ironic? It's literally about Taylor Swift, but I had so many thoughts. I thought that there was simultaneously so much information and not any information. Like a lot of people were probably like, I already knew this, but she was talking about how a stalker broke into her home and got into her bed and I was screaming. I had no idea. This is, it was thrilling to watch a documentary about a celebrity that I didn't already know a bunch about. Yeah, it was good. I would recommend it. It's not super long either. Like you can power through it pretty quickly. Miss Americana and the, what is it? And the Heartbreak Prince. Okay, last thing that we're watching, which is actually a trailer for something I plan to watch, but Love is Blind on Netflix. 100% will be watching this. Um, I'll put the link to the trailer in the show description. I'm a little confused because it's a three-week event, so I don't know if the episodes are going to release in chunks like The Circle did or what, but um, it's hosted by Nick and Vanessa Lachey, which, like, no offense to them, but it could literally be hosted by Mr. T. Like, I don't care. It's people meeting and dating without seeing each other. This is the kind of dating reality show we're looking for at ABC. Guys, why is The Batch so bad right now? Like, why do I commit so much time on my Instagram to this? Okay, whatever. That's a whole other conversation. So from the trailer, it seems like there are like pods. And I guess there's like a certain number of men and a certain number of women. And people date around within those pods. So I'm assuming you date more than one person. Like you don't just walk into a pod and then you decide you're going to marry them. It seems like I guess you date around, you get to know people. And then at the end of this show, it would appear that people are getting engaged and married and meeting each other's families, which is crazy. But given how much batch content I have consumed over my life, it seems like the families are refreshingly like honest and don't care what any of us think about them, which is the exact opposite of literally every family of a 23-year-old that's been on that show that's just like, mm-hmm, great, you're a stranger. Except for Tasha's dad, who was like, I don't like this. And Tasha was like, no, dad, I'm into it. And he was like, never mind, I listen to and respect my daughter, and if she says it's good to go, it's good to go. So there's a breakdown of Colton's season besides the Finch drama, in case you're wondering. Point is, I'm excited about it. First five episodes are available February 5th, uh, 13th. I can't read. I am going to binge watch them while I eat my first pizza of that weekend. And I will get back to you guys, but I think we're going to like it. Or I will. Well, that is it for me. Thanks for listening and making it this far. Um, leave a review, people. It is helpful. I will never know that it was you unless you're a close friend who will inevitably write a review and send me a screenshot of it, but I hate begging, but here I am. Rate the podcast if you like it. Don't listen to me anymore if you don't. Subscribe if you enjoy commitment. Just follow me on Instagram if you don't. Also, talk about Instagram. Zendaya and Jacob Ellerdy. Is that how you pronounce it? What? Guys, I'm freaking out. I'm so invested in their relationship. It's not even funny. They have to stay together forever because they're both stunning. And I cannot handle the idea of Zendaya experiencing heartbreak. Like, I really can't do it. So, like, uh, unless she ends it. Like, I just can't. I can't deal with it. Um, I love them so much. I um, am going to go listen to Treat Myself on repeat next week oh I'm, guys i'm so excited for next week it's oscars week so we're gonna have some great content and i have a guest joining and oh you guys are gonna love her i really can't wait 
we are talking Oscars. We'll probably talk about Stormy World again, if I'm being honest. So just buckle it. Buckle it. <laughs> Thanks for catching up. Bye. Thank you.